Hello, friends. You've now entered the Man Cave Podcast, unplugged and unfiltered. This is a podcast where the topics are mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other items. Like, is Bigfoot real? Who is the best Batman? You're guided through each episode by a man who's the man for his time and place, Dan Casper. So welcome to the Man Cave and stick around for a while. You're going to like it here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Podcast. I am uh, Dan Casper. As always, appreciate you checking out this episode of the podcast, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, we're everywhere. So appreciate you tuning in, however you're tuning in. Uh, we're going to chat a little bit about, uh, in this episode of the podcast, going to chat a little bit about uh, ESPN's quote-unquote experts and their uh, they, what they did was they voted on the GOAT, greatest of all time, uh, at each position in the NFL. So I'm going to take a look at that and, and kind of get my thoughts on there too. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a preview on some fantasy football to, to end this uh, podcast, but I want to get things rolling. I just want to jump into this right away. Major League Baseball trade deadline has come and gone. Juan Soto was traded to the Padres. I was a little surprised. I thought maybe the Nationals would go into the offseason with more suitors, potentially, maybe even a bigger package, but no, they shipped into the Padres. Padres won the trade deadline. I don't think there's any arguing this. If we were to like look at all the teams that made moves and, you know, like, oh, who had the best trade deadline? It's 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 the Padres. I don't even think it's close. That doesn't mean that they're gonna win the whole damn thing. But there's no doubt about it, the flipping Padres won the trade deadline. And one of those acquisitions that they got was Josh Hader from the Brewers. Um, I know we've talked about it on the radio show off and on, but and, and I would say the majority are surprised or maybe disappointed with this trade. I don't get it. I don't flip and understand it. The timing of it doesn't this doesn't mesh with me. And you could go in the offseason and trade Josh Hader. Okay? But you are in first place. You're in first place right now. And the trade that you made, you, you send him to a National League opponent that you might be facing in the postseason. Okay? that That's the other thing, too. And I know baseball... We tend to see maybe contenders or playoff teams trade with each other. I understand that. But the fact that, hey, they if, if the Brewers make the postseason, they may have to go up against Josh Hader for crying out loud. But just the, the overall fact of trading Josh Hader after the All-Star break when you, you, this is a year that you've got to go for it, you're, you're getting by with – with cheap starting pitching, you've got starting pitching that could take you deep in the postseason. With Hader and Devin Williams at the back end of that bullpen, you can hand it off to them in the postseason, and you're feeling pretty damn good about your chances to win a game. And the only really thing that I thought they needed to address by the by the trade deadline, get a bat, maybe a couple bats, and, and a bullpen arm. On paper, it looked like they okay. They 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 got more bullpen options with like Matt Bush and, and Rogers. But then you know the part of the package that you get back from the Padres, 
you end up releasing one of the guys. So this this whole trade just doesn't make sense to me. And I've gone through it in my head. I've gone through it in my head a few times to try to rationalize this thing. And I've gone back and forth, and I can't. I just I can't do it anymore. Yep, you could say a couple more options in the bullpen. Totally get it. But you know what? It just that still doesn't. I don't think it makes up for what the Brewers, you know, had had in Josh Hader. And then to top it all off, you don't even acquire a bat. You don't acquire a damn bat before the deadline. For crying out loud. I don't know how the Brewers will finish the the rest of this regular season. I hope they make the postseason. I hope they go on a deep run. I'm a Brewers fan. But I just, we've heard some people, some players in the locker room kind of talk about, talk about the trade and you could just tell that, especially Devin Williams, you could just tell, like, obviously it shocked them. And I think it shocked a lot of Brewers fans. But I just, the timing doesn't make sense to me. And this trade, will David Stearns, this is going to look, everybody's going to look at this trade, they're going to look at David Stearns. If the Brewers don't win a World Series at all during David Stearns' tenure, people will look at this trade. They will look at this trade this trade will live in infamy. We'll be talking about this move for the next few years. Packers fans still talk about the Packers bypassing drafting TJ Watt and getting Kevin King or trading back and trading down in the second round and getting Kevin King. That thing didn't go away. And it's not going to go away. This trade is not going to go away either. The timing of it all, I just I can't rationalize this anymore. I can't do it. You lose an all-star closer. You lose maybe the best closer in the game. Yep, he had a hiccup in the month of July. Throughout his career, he has done that. But you lose, you, you trade him for, uh, I don't know, a little underwhelming package in my opinion. And then you still don't even acquire a bat. What kind of message does that send in the clubhouse? Uh, it, it's frustrating as a Brewers fan. And I think for those players... It's got to be equally as frustrating. But we got to move on, right? That That's sports. Got to move on. So let's move on. Let's talk some football, some goats after this. Let's, let's get into this uh, receive or defer earlier edition here on Thursday. But I want to get, I want to jump right into it. So ESPN, the mothership, and their writers, they selected the best players at every position. So it looks like they had 50 voters in this thing. The greatest, or they asked their 50 experts to vote for the NFL's all-time greatest in every position. No ties. No ties. So let's see how they voted. And I'll make my picks whether I agree with it or not. And uh, we'll kind of see where it goes from from here. And tell me if you agree with him or not as well. Let's start with the offense. I don't think there's a big surprise in who they picked. Maybe the biggest surprise is like he wasn't 50 out of 50 for 100%. But it's Tom Brady. 
Uh, Tom Brady got 44 of the 50 votes, 88%. Two runner-ups. Second was Joe Montana. Third was Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning got two votes. Nobody else got any votes. That was it. Those three. I'm not surprised how that played out. Uh, I'm not. I mean, it's it's pretty darn easy. We've got a lot of great quarterbacks in NFL history. A ton of great quarterbacks in NFL history. I shouldn't say ton, but a, a good chunk. Now you can say, again, is Tom Brady the most talented quarterback of all time? Is he the best thrower of the pigskin of all time? You know, there's different different elements, different categories we can look at when it comes to these quarterbacks. But when you lump them all together, who's got the better resume? I mean, I'm not surprised Tom Brady. And, yeah, I probably would have picked Tom Brady, too. I would pick Tom Brady. But I wouldn't say he's the most talented. But, again, it depends on your definition or what do you look for in in your GOAT status the most. Is it just pure talent? Is it... Uh, championships is it is it both you know i i know i always joke about we got to come up with a a formula a mathematical formula to figure this out kind of like you know pro football focus with all their data and that sort of thing maybe we could come up with our own formulas to determine goat status but yeah i i would agree with this one uh running back was a little bit closer but with 46 percent of the vote getting 23 of the votes, Jim Brown. Jim Brown. I would agree with this one. I would agree with who came in second as well. Barry Sanders with 14. Those would be my top two. And in fact, I don't have a problem with with how everybody else played out. Walter Payton was third. Yep. I'd go there too. Emmett Smith had three. Others receiving votes. Marshall Falk had two. Eric Dickerson won. LaDainian Tomlinson won. I really don't have a problem with, with that list. Now, Emmett Smith, I think, also had the benefit, and I don't want to take away anything. You know, he had 11 straight 1,000-yard seasons. I'm not ta- I don't want to take away anything, but, you know, it does help to have that offensive line that the Cowboys had during their prime, during their heyday. It does, let's be honest, but, again, Leading rusher of all time. Still got to have some talent to be able to do that. Wide receiver, again, no big surprise on who number one is. Getting 45 of the 50 votes, 90% Jerry Rice. Right? No surprise. No big surprise. Uh, Perhaps, though, my surprise is the amount of votes number two got. And I'd put him in my top three. Is Randy Moss. Randy Moss got four. I kind of thought Jerry Rice would have gotten like 48 or 49, 47. But Randy Moss got four. And it's not like, oh, four, that ain't a big number. And it's not. But, I mean, I was still like, I thought maybe if, if any position there would have been like a like an easy lock and seal. And, you know, it's going to be almost 100% would have been Rice with, with wide receiver. But... Randy Moss, runner-up, second. And before anybody says anything, he's like, well, where's your boy, Don Hudson? Don Hudson got third. He got one vote. I wish I knew who voted for him. They didn't say here. But I agree with this top three. 
I'd shuffle it up. I'd probably put Don Hudson maybe at two, one. Now, that's my guy. That's that's my boy right there, Don Hudson. But overall, these top three: Rice, Randy Moss, Don Hudson. I agree with it. I think those are the top three wide receivers of all time. I would agree with it. Tight end. Ah. You want to know who number one was? I agree with it, but I don't know if a lot of people would, or our listeners would. Rob Gronkowski. Gronk got 23 of the 50 votes for 46%. Runners up, Tony Gonzalez. It was close. He got 21. So Gronk just getting it by two votes. 21 votes for... uh, for, uh, for So 23 for Gronk, t- 21 for Tony Gonzalez. Kellen Winslow got two. Others receiving votes were Mike Ditka won, Antonio Gates won, Ozzie Newsom won, Shannon Sharp won. Again, I agree with the top three. I, I agree with these top three. Gronk, I said it after he was retired. I think I put him as as my number one tight end. I know I think a lot of people won't, maybe because of the personality and the goofball that he is. But, yeah, I got him at, I'd put him at number one because, I mean, the dude would block. Dude was a threat downfield. Nobody wants to try to tackle him. He was banged up quite a bit. Tony Gonzalez was an athletic freak at, at tight end, former basketball player. I'd be happy with both of them. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably go Gronk. I agree with these three. The uh, So offensive tackle. This one surprised me a little bit. I agree with the number one. But I'm surprised it was um, as split as it was. So Anthony Munoz got number one. 27 of the 50 votes, 54%. Anthony Munoz to me is the best tackle in, in NFL history. And when you look at like the top 100 lists or all that, he's consistently ranked the the best tackle. In fact, he's ranked around top 10 players of all time, top 15 players of all time. So I was a little bit surprised that he only got just over a half of the votes for for the uh, for the tackle position. The person who, or the player who got the second most, a little bit more of a recent player, but he is in the Hall of Fame, Jonathan Ogden. And I think people kind of forget just how massive Jonathan Ogden was. I mean, the dude was 6'9 and 350 pounds or something like that. Orlando Pace was third. Walter Jones, fourth. He got three votes. Others receiving votes. Jackie Slater, Forrest Gregg got one. Willie Rofe, Joe Thomas, and Gary Zimmerman. Anthony Munoz, yes, to me, number one. And I've got no problem with Jonathan Ogden at number two. To me, though, the, the little bit of a surprise was that it was that Anthony Munoz did only get barely over 50. So I was a little bit surprised with that. Now, offensive guard is the one that surprised me that who isn't number one. And between first and second, it wasn't really close, but it's the uh, the, the runner-ups that's kind of split up there. So number one, Larry Allen. Dallas Cowboys got 21 of the 50 votes. Massive Larry Allen, right? But when you look at 
the rankings or or the lists of like top players of all time, there's one guard that has always kind of consistently been at the top, and that's who I would probably put at my number one spot. John Hanna, the guard from the Patriots, all pro in 10 of his 13 seasons. 10 of his 13 seasons. For comparison's sakes, Allen was 7 of 14. To me, John Hanna is the number one guard. Larry Allen, I mean, there's no doubt about it. The guy, I mean, was just a a massive, massive player. We all could picture Packers fans, right? You could picture that Gilbert Brown and Larry Allen clip, right? Two big boys just going at it. It's like, oh, that just looks painful. I would have put John Hanna at one. Just my just my opinion. Gene Upshaw was at eight, right behind John Hanna. He was at eight. Bruce Allen got three. Allen Fanica got two. Hutchinson two. Randall McDaniel two. Jim Parker two. And Jerry Kramer did get one. Jerry Kramer did get one. Now it's interesting because, and I don't know. Again, I don't know who voted for for Jerry or anything like that. But Forrest Gregg got one vote. Jerry Kramer got one vote. When we get to linebackers, I'll just tell you right now, Ray Nitschke got one vote. These old school Packers, Lombardi Packers, all got one vote. It's like, it'd be really cool if it was like one person voting for all those guys. I doubt it, but I wish I knew who who voted for them. Okay, center. Finishing up uh, the offense here. The center spot. Mike Webster. Got 15 of the 50 votes. 15 of the 50. So this one was a little bit more close. Jim Otto got 13. Chuck Benarek going old school. I like the thinking here with Chuck Benarek, old school, with 11 votes. Others receiving votes. Dawson, Stevenson, Mel Hine. But I agree I would go with Mike Webster with those Steelers teams with with my center. And I and I agree with, with the top two for sure, Jim Otto. Totally agree with Webster and Otto as the top two centers of all time. Now let's go to, to the defensive side of things. Where I'm yeah, I'll be curious to see where people kind of go on this one. And and so to start it off, they went with edge rusher, okay? And that's a kind of a nod to the current thinking of the of how people perceive defenses now. Like we even like when you go through the draft and all that, they they've got like edge rushers. It's that whole are they a defensive end, outside linebacker sort of thing. So I don't know if I necessarily agree you can lump like four three defensive ends in the same category as three four outside linebackers, especially like back in the day. I don't know if you can necessarily combine those people. And the case here is so Ed Rusher, number one, forty of the fifty votes was Lawrence Taylor. The person, the player who got the second most votes was Reggie White with eight. Bruce Smith got one. J.J. Watt got one. T. 
to me, Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White played two different positions. And I get it. They're mostly known for, for getting after the quarterback, for going after the quarterback, sacking the quarterback, hitting the quarterback, all that. But to me, when I think about LT and Reggie White, I think of like two different positions. So that's where I almost feel like you have to have that edge. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm the only one with this, but when I think edge rusher, I, I think of a three four outside linebacker. You know, that that's the position I think. Because I do have defensive um they have a defensive tackle category here. But I just feel like you need to have the edge rusher plus another one for defensive end for the guys like a Reggie White and a Bruce Smith. That's just my opinion. But uh, Defensive tackle. 39 of the 50 votes go to a current player. And I probably just gave it away. Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald already voted by these experts from ESPN. That's how they they describe themselves, experts. Aaron Donald, number one defensive tackle. Joe Green was next at five, and then Deacon Jones coming in with with three. Alan Page received a vote. John Randall received a vote. Warren Sapp also received a vote. I can see it. I mean, Aaron Donald to me is – one of the most dominant defensive players already in, in NFL history. I know he's still playing, and he's still got a lot more to potentially add to his resume. But this guy, he is he's pretty darn dominant. I can see it. And I've got no problem with these top three. I mean, heck, I, you know, Alan Page, I'd... Probably should have gotten a couple more votes than just one, but I, I agree with this this grouping. I would agree with it. Linebacker here now is the interesting one for me, where I think is it a little bit more of, of a recency thing. 23 of the 50 votes. And I don't want to take away from this player because I think he definitely was one of the best of all time. He probably would have been maybe my two. Ray Lewis got the most votes, 23 out of 50. Dick Butkus got was, was second. In with 13 votes. Butkus, to me, would have been my number one. And, again, maybe because I am, I love history. I love the history of the game. And maybe, you know, that's kind of where I'm being a little bit more, you know, compassionate to, to the history of the game. But to me, the number one linebacker, and you look at, again, those, those rankings of top 100s and top list, Dick Butkus usually is the top-rated linebacker in the game. And these are all inside linebackers too, most it looks like here. No, actually it's not. I'm, I'm yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Okay. But to me Dick Butkus would be number 1. Ray Lewis is consistently mentioned as a top 5 linebacker, and I, and I won't argue with that. I won't argue with that. Mike Singletary got 4. Jack Lambert got three. Others receiving votes, Ted Hedricks got two. Chuck McNerick won. Derek Brooks won. Bill George won. Ray Nitschke won. Junior Seau won. Let's go to the the cornerback. The corners. No big surprise at number one. I am surprised who tied for second in a good way. 
But number one was primetime himself, Mr. Deion Sanders, right? Deion Sanders getting 32 of the 50 votes. 32 of the 50 votes, Mr. Deion Sanders. Tied for second, Rod Woodson and Charles Woodson. Rod Woodson, no big surprise. Charles Woodson, I agree with. I'm surprised. Five people voted for him. Kevin Seifert, who got to watch Charles Woodson quite a bit, he, if you kind of pay attention to who the writers are at, at ESPN for the NFL Nation writers there. Seifert has done the NFC North coverage. He's now doing the Vikings one. But uh, he said no one can match Dion's playmaking ability, but Woodson's versatility as a tackler and a pass rusher in addition to his physicality in press situations allowed coaches to build their defenses around him. And he did it at the highest level for nearly two decades before retiring at the age of 39. Hey, man, I agree. Charles Woodson was flipping versatile. I'm glad to see him get some recognition there. Darrell Rivas got four. Chan Bailey won. Mel Blount got uh, one. Mike Haynes got one. Night Train Lane got one as well. Safety. Now, again, to me, I'm a little bit surprised at the, at the, uh, at the votes here. I completely agree with number one. A little surprised he didn't get more votes, but it is what it is. Ronnie Lott, number one. That's who my number one would have been. Number two is Ed Reed. So Ronnie got 27 of the votes. Ed Reed got 15 of the votes. Honestly, that's probably who my top two would have been. But Ronnie Lott, to me, is the clear-cut number one safety of all time. Ed Reed, he's number two. Brian Dawkins got three, or excuse me, four votes. Paul Krause got two. Troy Palomalu, two. Now, this is where they combine kicker and punter to wrap this thing up, which I disagree with. I think you cannot lump kickers and punters together. Two completely different positions. So, Adam Vinatieri got the most votes on this, 22 of 50. And why I say, and this is the example why I say you can't lump them together. But the interesting part is that he got 22. Justin Tucker got 21. So there's a lot of love for Justin Tucker. And I get it. I mean, the distance and the accuracy. I mean, come on. That that guy's got a leg. He's got a guy, guy's got a cannon of a leg. But I was surprised that Tucker was just one behind Vinatieri because, you know, you think of Adam Vinatieri, you think of the snow game, you think of some of those Super Bowl kicks, clutch situations, right? Well, Tucker's got some clutch kicks, too. Maybe not at the biggest stages, but that dude's got talent. But Ray Guy finished in third with six votes. Ray Guy is the best punter of all time. That's why you've got to keep the kickers and punters in different categories, in my opinion. Have the battle between, you know, Vinatieri and Tucker. Ray Guy, best punter, no debating it. Only other one kicker got a vote, and that was Morton Anderson. Uh, okay, and then to, to wrap it up, they did even do a uh, returner, special teamer. Returner slash special teamer. Number one, getting 29 of the 50 votes, Devin Hester. Devin Hester got 29 of the 50 votes. Runner-up was Dion at six, Gail Sayers at five, 
Brian Mitchell. Remember Brian Mitchell at uh, three? Matthew Slater. And the special teams ace for the uh, New England Patriots got three. Steve Tasker got three. And a former Packer got one. A lot of Packers in this thing that have gotten one vote. Desmond Howard got one vote. Don't know if it was just a diehard Packers fan writer that was doing all this, but hey, Desmond got a vote there. So, what do you think? Was there one position that really stood out to you like, ooh, they uh, they really went that way? You know, quarterback, nah. Running back for me, nah. Receiver, nah. Tight end, nah. Tackle was a little bit close for me, but totally good number one. The guard, again, offensive guard, Larry Allen was number one. I would have went with number two, John Hanna. I was surprised at the gap, 21-9. to nine. Mike Webster, number one center with Jim Otto behind him. I got no problem with that. Defense, though, I, I still say that you've got to, I think Reggie White and, and Lawrence Taylor played two separate positions. I know their number one goal was to still go after the quarterback, but you know Lawrence Taylor winning it for edge rusher and defense. Reggie White was second, but I, I just think it was they played a little bit of a different spot there, so... That would be my only difference. Aaron Donald getting defensive tackle, 39 of the 50. I can't argue with that. I really can't. I would have had Dick Buckus at my number one inside linebacker. Ray Lewis won the vote there. Dick was number two. Dion, I mean, come on. That, that's my number one for corner. I'm happy to see Charles Woodson tied for second with Rod Woodson. I love that. Ronnie Lott, yep, I agree with that. And as we just said, the kicker punter one, I would have divided it up. Ray Guy, that does a disservice to Ray Guy, I think. All right, we got to take a quick break. We'll do that right now. All right, we are getting close to the fantasy football season. Maybe some of you have already dabbled into some drafts or, or you know, getting ready already, you know, with your keeper leagues and dynasty leagues and, and all that sort of stuff. I'm actually, you know, for the first time in a while, long time, I'm actually kind of excited for fantasy football. You know, I'm a big football fan. That That's, that's if I had to rank them, you all know me, that's, that's number one, but... Usually I don't get that excited about fantasy football, but I don't know. I just I got the edge this year. I got a little bit of the edge. So, you know, kind of looking at this and just kind of looking at some of the positions and, and that sort of thing. You know, I look at the running backs. Jonathan Taylor, he's a guy that's going to be drafted, you know, probably number one in a lot of leagues. People are looking at Derrick Henry. People are looking at uh, Christian McCaffrey. But I think a lot of people, too, are kind of forgetting about Nick Chubb, especially with uh, – you know, with the with the situation with Deshaun Watson, with uh, with the Cleveland Browns. So I just, you know, you, you hear about Taylor and I get it. You hear about McCaffrey and I get it. You hear about Derrick Henry and I get it. But I almost feel like Derrick Henry, or excuse me, a Nick Chubb, is kind of being forgotten a, a, a little bit. And even like a Dalvin Cook too. And I know there's talk about Dalvin Cook, or at least the Vikings, maybe a little bit more of a passing team. But I think that also includes Dalvin Cook as part of that passing game. So maybe he doesn't have as many rushing yards, but I really feel like he's going to be effective in the passing game for the Minnesota Vikings. Same with Aaron Jones. A lot of people, there's a good chunk of people who don't even have Aaron Jones as a as a top 10 running back. And I think that's a little, I, I, that's ridiculous. You know, if you're basing it off of last year, you're doing yourself a disservice. Look at the current form 
or the current team for Green Bay. No Devonta Adams. Where are those plays going to go? Where are those passes going to go? You're going to see Aaron Jones more involved in the passing game. You're going to see Aaron Jones more, um, you know, utilized as an offensive weapon. So I think people are kind of overlooking those. Just saying, just saying. And honestly, I think too with wide receivers, you've got the top. You've got Devonte Adams. You've got Cooper Cup. You've got Jefferson. But I think across the league, there's a good group of. Uh, some wide receivers that if you don't get one of the top fives, I don't think you have to fret that much because I think there's there's a good group. There's there's a deep group of, of wide receivers in, in football. And I think that's you're really gonna see that in fantasy football this year. So I think you're gonna see some team maybe some teams will prioritize that and try to get, you know, really invest in wide receivers and get a deep group. But on the surface right now, just kind of looking at it. I feel like wide receivers in fantasy football, you're going to have a lot of options to choose from, especially if you don't get, you know, the 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 Cups or the Jeffersons or the Adams or or those top five guys. There's going to be a good group there, and you know, looking at quarterbacks, I think, you know, you kind of look at the obvious ones. I know some leagues have Tom Brady down there, but you know, I don't know why you would when he led the league at passing last year and. Yeah, he doesn't have Gronk, but he still has Mike Evans. He still has God. He's got Godwin who just returned to practice. You know, I I wouldn't necessarily put the put the kibosh on Tom Brady. I think he's still going to put up some decent numbers, unless people are concerned that at some point he's got to hit the wall. You would think. Uh, same thing for Aaron Rodgers. I know people are probably have him down a little bit because of you know no Devonte Adams, but. I, I just think that he's going to spread the ball out more, and maybe he doesn't have 48 touchdown passes and five interceptions, but I still think Aaron Rodgers is going to put up high numbers. Um, but, you know, the questionable quarterbacks I have are like Kirk Cousins. You know, we, we hear O'Connell, the new head coach, talk about them being uh, a heavier pass offense. I want to see Kirk Cousins do that. You know, I want to see... If if they're able to do that, and if he could, and if he can put up some big numbers in fantasy, you look at Carolina, Baker Mayfield, you know the Giants and Daniel Jones, and obviously we're talking those guys right there, a little you know below the average. Tua is an interesting one for me with the Dolphins because the guy's got weapons around him. There's no doubt about it. Tua has weapons, but can Tua put up those numbers? Can he take advantage of those? And and in the same breath, you know Tyreek Hill, wide receiver. You know, if he's with Patrick Mahomes, you're drafting him high, right? Because he's going to put up big numbers. But where do you have Tyree Kill on your draft board if you have questions or if you have uh, concerns when it comes to Tua? So, you know, Tua's kind of a, a little bit up in the air, too, with along with Tyree Kill. So I think that's what's got me intrigued, or, or better yet, a little bit more excited about fantasy football this year because I think there are a lot of questions. And I think there's some, you know, there's there's a little bit more thinking going on this year. And, you know, maybe I, you can kind of make the case for that every single year. But, you know, the more I was thinking about it, I'm like, man, I think, you know, the middle of the pack, or I just think that there's some there's some good unknowns surrounding the NFL this year in terms of players and and maybe some teams in that. There's some good unknowns that will trickle into the fantasy football world. That's just that's just my belief, and that's what makes me excited, I think, as you know, drafting a fantasy team is like, 
okay, we think that guy is going to be good, but I don't know. They're just, you know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to spit it out here, but it just feels like there's some, there's some more unknowns surrounding a lot of these players this year. We had a lot of player movement, especially in the wide receiver department. Will the likes of a, a Tyreek Hill and Devontae still put up bigger numbers? You know, sort of that sort of stuff. So, but that's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Appreciate you tuning in. Don't forget subscribe for free to the podcast and tell your family and friends about it. We will talk to you all again soon. Have a good one. Hey everyone, Dan again. Before I let you go, I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. If you could do me a favor though and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and give it a five-star rating, that would be awesome. Don't worry, it's free to subscribe. And make sure you're following me on Twitter at Dan Casper. Remember, that's Casper with a K. And liking the page at Facebook at facebook.com slash Casper Sports. See you next time in the Man Cave.